Christ is risen. Christos was crassy. Christos anesti. Amasia come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This Sunday, we commemorate and celebrate the miracle of our Lord giving sight to a man who is blind from his birth. We see, of course, in this gospel, the themes that we have been contemplating throughout the Paschal season. Water, light, and now sight where water and light, because we can't see without the light, comes to fruition in this man for whom Jesus says the works of God are revealed in him. We also hear another theme, or at least detect another theme, that comes with the Gospel of John, and that is humor. The Gospel of John, John, in writing this Gospel, is loves paradoxes. He loves to revel in maybe irony of situations. For you see, all of the people that the blind man engages with, they're blind. They can't see. Yes, they can see, but they cannot see what has happened. Our Lord comes, he finds this blind man, there's a question put to him about whether he is blind because of his sin, but our Lord says that God will work through this man his mighty works. And then he goes with purpose to anoint this man with clay that he's grabbed off the ground, spat upon, and then anointed the eyes of this man. He then gives him the command, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. For again, we see throughout even this gospel later in the question posed, or the Pharisees saying, we don't know where this man has come from. And we've been reflecting since at least mid-feast as the Gospel of John that we know where Jesus Christ is from because he's been sent from the Father. So this man with this gunk in his eyes, think about what's just happened. A man just put dirt in your eyes after he spat on it. He probably heard Jesus spit and then put it on his eyes. And he tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. Again, another theme of something that seems maybe far-fetched, a little ridiculous, but obedience. As soon as this man is healed, what do his neighbors start asking? That's not a rhetorical question. What, are the, what do the neighbors start asking? Is that the guy? The guy on the corner who is asking for money? And then what do they start having a dispute? Some say, that's not him. Others say, yeah, that's him. Can you imagine this man has been there for years on the corner? It's hard sometimes for us to be able to see 
those who are asking for money, panhandling, or begging for money, right? Because many times we just put on the blinders and we walk or we roll up our window. Oh, I'm doing it. I guess I'm from the 90s or 80s. So I'm rolling up the window. <laughs> Children, windows used to be rolled up manually. <laughs> they still are in some vehicles, yes. <laughs> They can't see him. They can't recognize him. They're blind. They were probably already blinded to the fact of this beggar. He'd just become a part of the furniture, right? He's just there. They hadn't looked him in the face. Or they're so startled, right? They can't see because cognitive dissonance. How in the world can this man, who I'm so used to being on the corner, begging for money is now walking around. No one needs to help him. He doesn't have a cane. He doesn't have anything. He's healed. They can't see him. They miss the person, the truth of the other, because more than likely they're too busy or they're too distracted. They've never really beheld him in the first place. Well, the blind man's, I'll say, his walk through a gallery of characters. He goes next, and his neighbors, they're concerned. They don't understand. They're still trying to compute what has happened. So they say, I know what you do. We can take him to the Pharisees. They seem to know what's going on. They can justify, they can explain what has happened. So they take the blind man to the Pharisees. The Pharisees... They can't see what has happened. Yes, they know the story because they ask uh, the blind man. And the Pharisees, they immediately, it's like the information comes in. It's like a filter. And the first things that they think of are all of the things of how could this happen today? Because this is Sabbath, right? This is one of the great themes of the Gospels. The religious of Israel not being able to compute Something good happening because they have all sorts of preset ideas. This is how things are supposed to go. So they deduce, okay, if he did it on Sabbath, he must be a sinner. Therefore, he's not from God. But there's division. And you notice in the, the fact that I can't see, there's constant division that occurs, right? The neighbors, they're set. He is, he isn't. The Pharisees, he's from God, he's not from God. They say to the blind man again, you'll notice this, this repetition. I, I still can't compute. I'm going to ask again. What do you say about him because he opened your eyes? The blind man says he is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe him concerning Jesus. So, all right, we've got to go to the source of the issue. I can't believe my eyes. I can't see this straight. It doesn't compute. We need to go to his parents. Let's see what his parents. Was this actually a miracle? So they go to his parents. Do you remember what his parents say in response? Ask him. It's almost like a classic 
Adam and Eve situation, right? You come and say this, and they go, but, or let's pass the buck here. The parents, as the gospel tells us, they don't just say this because they don't know their son. They don't say this because they're super worried, per se, about the Sabbath or these preconceived ideas about how things should go. They can't see very well and then follow through with what they see because of what the gospel tells us. They fear being put out of the synagogue. They're blinded by fear. They're blinded by what they think their peers will think of them. Think about this. They are blinded even though they've heard from their youth up, they've heard about the Messiah coming, that he was going to come, there would be great works, there would be renewal in Israel, and it's their own son. Can you imagine the prayers that they had offered for their blind son? And when it comes down to it, they don't stand by the side of their son. They don't come together. They separate themselves from the son because they're afraid of the separation that they'll receive from their peers, from their neighbors, their fellow synagogue attendees. So we come back around again And they continue the line of questioning. They again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. When they say give God the glory, this is a way for them saying, Okay, the gig is up. Uh, Throughout the Old Testament, you have these situations where something bad has happened. And so they give God the glory by doing a sacrifice. So they say, Okay, we're done you know, chasing our tail here. You need to admit you're wrong and to figure out how to solve this situation. And the blind man says, he testifies to what he has seen. Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. There is one thing that I know. Though I was blind, now I see. And they want him to repeat his story again. What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? You can imagine the blind man at this point. just speaking like, please, I've said it. The gossip has gone through the entire neighborhood. The Pharisees know. My parents know. I told you already. You did not listen. Why do you want to hear it? You can see the smirk on his face. Do you also want to become his disciples? Humor. A question. You are really interested in this. Do you want to join me in seeing what I've seen? Do you want to experience this too? Do you want to follow him? And immediately they revile him. You are his disciple. Whoever this fellow is. We know who we are. We're Moses' disciples. Again, the preset idea. I know exactly what God has commanded. This is what it is. There's nothing new that can happen. We are confident. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. 
The man answers again. I can almost imagine him laughing at this point. You, why? This is a marvelous thing. (laughs) I'm standing in front of you. I can see. You don't know where he's from, yet he opened my eyes? We know God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. If this man was not from God, he could do nothing. So what do they do? They've heard it, they've heard it, they've heard it, they see it. They can't see what's right in front of them. They cannot see because of what they already think they understand about God and the box that they've put him in. They cannot see some of them because of fear, because they're worried about what it would mean if they actually admit what they see. So what do you do in this situation? You know, when I am called out for something, usually it happens within my house. (laughs) Usually I have things I don't want to see about myself, things that are my preconceived framework or filter about how I want to see things. And to be honest, to be called out about something truthful that I can't see or I don't want to see, I'm usually blinded by my own fear of being vulnerable enough to admit the truth. So what do I usually do? I'm sure you all can uh, relate to this. I don't cast out the blind man, but I will cold shoulder, I'll argue, I'll put up whatever front I can to get away from the stark naked truth in front of me. The blind man has complete openness. He's open to what has happened. He can see what has happened. He has no preconceived ideas. If he had them, they've been blown away by his witness to truth. And he shows no fear. In fact, As you see this conversation going, as more division comes, as there is constant turmoil, his faith is growing. Notice at the beginning, when he's asked by his neighbors, he just tells them, Jesus did this to me. When he comes to the Pharisees and they start asking him, and he says, do you want to become his disciples? Because he's now identifying himself As a disciple. Then when he comes to the end. He testifies. He preaches. About what God has done. And how his neighbors. His parents. And the Pharisees. Can't seem to see it. This is like the conversation. With St. Fotini or Svetlana at the well. Except it's not our Lord dialoguing with St. Fotini or Svetlana, but it is the crowd pressuring, pushing, questioning, 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 cynicism, doubt. 
But this only makes his faith grow and is a testament to what we need in our own life, especially as we come to, as we are coming to the end of this Paschal season with the ascension of our Lord and Pentecost. As we have been saying, Christ is risen, Christ is risen, and then our voice starts to wilt a little, our things start to overwhelm us, we duck down into old routines, habits, etc. While we knew on Holy Friday or Holy Saturday morning or on the night of Pascha, we testify, we could testify the next week to what we witnessed. And our Lord coming in the power of the resurrection to us at that particular feast, the Feast of Feasts, and the Sundays and the time that has elapsed since then. And as we come to Pentecost, and as we reflect on what it means to be empowered by the Holy Spirit for the church and its mission in the world and our part in it, let us remember the blind man, his faithfulness, his endurance, his steadfastness, his growth by staying true to what he has seen, what he has witnessed, no matter what comes his way. You see especially his openness to what has happened when our Lord comes to him at the end after he's been cast out by his neighbors, by the synagogue, by the Pharisees. And Jesus comes to him and says, Do you believe in the Son of God? And we see the blind man's openness to what God can do. Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? He hasn't, he's got enough truth to know that there's something about Jesus. He's a prophet. I should be his disciple. But he hasn't put it all together yet. And Jesus tells him, You have seen him, and he is talking to you. And the blind man, in his openness to the truth as it stands before him, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen.